0: With Richard Holdridge.
1: Welcome once again to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How are all of you out there so excited to be here? I'm going to recap all the sports that happened over the weekend. Just want to remind all my listeners that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Newton, Georgia, brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, Christie's Cafe, and the Man in the Mirror podcast with my main man, Charles Stevens. Check it out on Apple Podcasts. Oh man, we have got a great show. I'm going to fly through this episode. I'm going to have my broadcast partner and co-host Corey Bank on as we are going to recap some of the college football games. We did have high school football that wrapped up in Alabama as we get ready for the playoffs next week. We have college football had some crazy finishes in college football and some surprises. The new AP poll just came out and it's going to be number one versus number two. Next week, just like everybody figured. So we also have some NFL games I'm going to recap, including that crazy Atlanta Falcons game over the Carolina Panthers. I, I'm i still shocked the way that ended. And, oh, man, I can get into detail about that. It's just been a crazy game. And a lot of action locally that I'm going to talk about. The World Series is going on. We had the Columbus River Dragons split a series with the Mississippi Sea Wolves. Uh, What could he say? Columbus State Women's Soccer is in the uh, Peach Belt Conference Championships. Uh, You have Northside winning their first softball championship since 2017. So much sports to cover, and I only have an hour. So let's go ahead and get right into the show. So I just want to remind everybody that this is episode 493. As we are approaching 500 episodes, here's what's on tap for this week I'm going to have my former co host from the Up All Night Show, Brad Page, on the show tomorrow as we're going to preview that Tennessee Georgia game. And that is just going to be a clash of Titans. I don't think there's ever been a time where Georgia and Tennessee were both ranked number one and number two. And when the new college football rankings come out on Tuesday, I would not be shocked if Tennessee's number one because of their strength of schedule. So let's get right into the show. I'm going to start with that crazy Atlanta Falcons game against the Carolina Panthers. This was a the team they're supposed to win. They did get the victory 37 to 34 in overtime, but it was in Falcons fashion. It looked like Carolina won the game when uh, uh, DJ Moore had a uh, it was a Hail Mary by PJ Walker, 12 seconds left to go, and it looked like wow. I can't believe that the Falcons are going to lose this game. They were up 34-28, to and DJ Moore catches it. He was double teamed, and he catches it in the back of the end zone for the touchdown, 12 seconds left to go. He takes his helmet off, excessive celebration. It backs the kicker up 15 yards. Hats off to head coach Arthur Smith for actually taking the penalty on that extra point. He misses a 48-yard extra point attempt. And it's like, wow, we're tied. It's 34-34. We go into overtime. The Falcons win the toss. Marcus Marietta throws an interception to DJ Henderson. And the Carolina Panthers are driving the football down the field. And it looks like they're going to kick the game-winning field goal. And, And then I get on the show today and talk about what a disaster it was for the Atlanta Falcons. Like a huge disappointing collapse, and it's been rewritten. I mean, because of the missed field goal, the Falcons are able to march down to the other side of the field. Marcus Mariota with a huge 30-yard run to get him into the field goal range. Say what you want about Marcus Mariota. He's not always the greatest thrower of the football, but he is a gamer. He can actually make big plays when the game is on the line. And the Atlanta Falcons, young Wayku, how money has he been all season? The Atlanta Falcons get the 37-34 victory in overtime, and they are in first place in the NFC South at 4-4. The Atlanta Falcons, the team that all the experts pick to finish last in the NFL because they had the worst roster in the league, should Arthur Smith get coach of the year? If the Atlanta Falcons make the playoffs, does Arthur Smith get coach of the year? Wow, I mean... It looked like the Falcons were about to suffer a heartbreaking loss. I actually got on my Twitter, and when DJ Moore got that touchdown catch with 12 seconds left to go, I automatically assumed that the kicker would make the extra point and Carolina would go up 35-34. That's your ballgame. And I was I was ready to tweet the biggest heartbreaking loss in Atlanta Falcons history, even bit bigger than 28-3. to Or I think I said something on Twitter like it, it was the biggest heartbreaking loss since 28-3. But the Falcons have rewritten the narrative. As bad as that defense was when Carolina was just running the football with Donta Foreman and Carolina was able to get the lead on the Atlanta Falcons, it, then the Falcons come back and get the lead 31-28. to they stop Carolina, Carolina makes, you know, burns all their timeouts, and Atlanta gets the field goal and they're up 34 to 28. Carolina only has like 30 seconds left. You know, PJ Walker was using the sidelines. The defenders for Atlanta didn't think that he could get the ball to the end zone. So now the Atlanta Falcons 4 and 4, they're in first place. Can you believe it? Is it possible that the Atlanta Falcons could make the playoffs? A lot of people didn't even believe that. Hey, but we had another local team in action in the state of Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs. And let me tell you something. As Georgia Bulldogs fans, how nervous were you when Georgia almost blew that 28-3 lead? Now, hang on a second. Now, Florida got it a little close. In fact, after the 78-yard touchdown pass from Anthony Richardson to Xavier Henderson to make it 28-20, to how many Georgia fans thought that Georgia was going to play tight? Georgia had a 28 to 3 lead. Yeah, I know that score. We're all familiar with that score. They had a 28 to 3 lead at the halftime. And Florida, you know, they they drive down the field, they get a touchdown, 28 to 10, no big deal. They get a strip of Kenny Mcintosh. It's a good thing Georgia's defense held them to a field goal to make it 28 to 13. But then, you know, uh Bernie got the huge interception from Stetson Bennett. I mean, what are you doing there? Just run the football. Do what works best. He's trying to push the ball down the field. Florida gets it back, and then Florida cuts it to 28-20. to I'm impressed with the way Georgia committed to the run. They ate up clock, and when Edwards got that touchdown run to make it 35-20, to you could breathe a little bit more, Georgia fans, and they come out on top 42-20. to and they have dominated this rivalry since 2011, eight times out of the last 12 years. So that is pretty much every three years they are beating Florida twice. I mean, that is incredible for the simple fact that from 1990 to 2010, Georgia's only beaten Florida three times. So now the stage is set. And that's why I'm going to have Brad on the show tomorrow. He's a big Tennessee fan, and I like Georgia. Number one versus number two. We don't know who number one and number two is going to be because the college football rankings will come out on Tuesday. I can't believe Tuesday is the first day of November. So much sports to cover. And uh, we have really so little time. Georgia, man, what can you say? They get the job done, but they have a huge test against the Tennessee Volunteers. It's a 3.30 kickoff in Athens between Tennessee and Georgia. I don't think they have ever been number one and number two i'll have to go into the record books to see if that is the case but georgia and tennessee this saturday it's going to be incredible i think that tennessee you know they got it done against kentucky hendon hooker has got to be favorite for the heisman trophy we had a lot of crazy action in college football we saw two top 10 teams go down including kansas state i did not see this coming Kansas State shutting out Oklahoma State. It was incredible. 48 to nothing. Yes, I'm reading this score right here. 48 to nothing. And then Louisville gets a big win over Wake Forest, 48 to 21. Some of the local teams, the Auburn Tigers, I actually thought that maybe they were going to get the win over uh, Arkansas. But uh, they lose. And uh, I think Brian Harson is going to be out of a job. It's just it's hard to overcome what Auburn their record is three and five, and you know the expectations at Auburn. I mean they're going to run coaches out of town. They ran Gus Malzahn out of town, and he beat Nick Saban three times. They ran uh, Gene Chiswick out of town. You know, we won him a national title in 2010. Auburn has got to get some dynamic players. I'm not talking about like just Cam Newton, like when they got him in 2010 and they got lightning in a bottle. Or in 2013, when they had the prayer, Jordan hare and uh, the kick six to get him into the national championship game against Florida State, I think Auburn needs to get a dynamic, a couple of dynamic wide receivers. They need to get some playmakers, and they really need to get a quarterback. It's no disrespect to Robbie Ashford; he's he's not what Bo Nix was last year. I mean, Bo Nix is tearing it up in Oregon, and uh, they really need to recruit. A dynamic five star quarterback just out of either the transfer portal or get him in the recruiting class. It It's just really tough to see. They got to get some players on defense. You know, KJ Jefferson didn't have the greatest game, but man, oh man, did Arkansas run the football with Raheem Sanders, 171 yards. And uh, Auburn's three and five. They play Mississippi State. That is going to be a tough game in Starkville. That's going to play next week. And then, you know, Texas A&M, as bad as Texas A&M is playing, and they are 3-5 and five as well, that could be a tough matchup for the Auburn Tigers. Then, of course, Western Kentucky and then the Iron Bowl at the end. I don't see Auburn going to a bowl game. I just don't think it's going to be in the cards, and I think that Brian Harson is going to be out of a job, especially since Auburn has a new athletic director out of Mississippi State. You know, usually when new athletic directors come in, they want to get their own guy. Uh, Georgia Tech looked really bad against Florida State. I know that game was in Tallahassee. But after their debacle against Virginia, I actually thought that Brent Key was going to rattle off some victories. And I think that the search for a new head coach will start pretty soon with the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And I thought that maybe they could get the victory. Shocking, Missouri beat South Carolina. You know, South Carolina was 5-2, and two and they were ranked you had UCF losing, uh, beating Cincinnati twenty-five to twenty-one. Illinois, don't look now, Illinois could win the Big Ten West and play either Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. What Brett Bielema has done at Illinois, incredible. Speaking of the Ohio State Buckeyes, that game was tight, and then Ohio State pulls away. Tumalo, it really shined on defense and he just did a great job in Happy Valley 44 to 31 was the score it was very close and uh Penn State got the lead 21 to 16 Travion Henderson bust out for a 41 yard run Cade Stover you know the 24 yard pass that was actually after the turnover Ohio State they looked impressive and I think that they have a very, very easy schedule. Northwestern, Indiana, and Maryland before they take on Michigan at the Horseshoe. Michigan is ranked number four. And I'll be surprised to see where they are in the first college football rankings. They beat Michigan State for the first time in three years, 29-7. to Of course, Old Miss beats Texas A&M. They are hurting right now at three and five. I think that Texas A&M is in trouble. And Jimbo Fisher could be on the hot seat just because you have the number one recruiting class. Texas A&M has all the money. They have the NIL deals. You have got to perform on the field. They have got to get playmakers out there in the perimeter, dynamic playmakers, which Kevin Sumlin recruited dynamic playmakers for Texas A&M. Johnny Manziel, Mike Evans. So Jimbo Fisher could be out of a job. I'm kind of curious what the buyout's going to be at Texas A&M. The Mercer Bears, man, they got a huge victory over VMI, 55-14. to 14. They are 7-2, and, and they get ready to get on their bye, and they will take on Furman on November the 12th down in Macon. Is, that's always just a great place to play some college football at the FCS level. Kennesaw State, they get a big win over Charleston Southern, 30-20. to 20. And how about those Kennesaw State Owls? Hopefully – they can uh, ride the momentum and uh, try to get into the playoffs. So we used to make the playoffs every year, but you know, Jacksonville State and Central Arkansas are the new Atlantic Sun Conference for football. You know, they were in the Big South before. Now they're in the Atlantic Sun, and so Kennesaw State is four and four right now, one and two in conference play. A big shout out to the FCS school that is in part of my neck of the woods. Sacramento State, I think they could win it all. 8-0, a 31-28 to victory over Idaho. And it's looking like maybe Jackson State and Sacramento State in the FCS championship. Uh, Jackson State looks amazing. What Dion is doing, he's changing college football. And I know that there's talks that he's going to stay at Jackson State. But, man, Auburn would be calling him. Georgia Tech would be calling him. Even Nebraska. There are some college teams that Dion is number one on their coaching search. I guarantee it. He is number one on their coaching search. I just want to pay a special tribute to Vince Dooley. Over the weekend, Vince Dooley passed away, the legendary Georgia head coach, at the age of 90. And uh, as a Georgia fan, I mean – what he has done for that program, I, you know, he's surely going to be missed. And prayers go out to the Dooley family. Of course, Vince Dooley, he led the Georgia Bulldogs to the national championship in 1980. Uh, Heisman Trophy winner Herschel Walker, he had the three straight SEC titles from 1980 to 1983. And in fact, I felt that all the years that Herschel was on uh, Georgia, that that they could easily compete for a national championship. I think Georgia should have won the national championship in 1982. I mean, they lost to Penn State. But Vince Dooley, his record, uh, 201 wins, 77 losses, and 10 ties. He coached the Georgia Bulldogs from 1964 to 1988. And after 88, he was the athletic director. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1994. Of course, the College Football Hall of Fame is now in Atlanta. And uh, Vince Dooley, I was just so happy to see him witness Georgia win a national championship because it's it's been too long. It was a 40-year drought, and and Vince Dooley was able to witness that. And so he surely is going to be missed. And I know that the Georgia Bulldogs were thinking about him. They were playing for him. In fact, Kirby Smart said after the game that this win over Florida was dedicated to Vince Dooley. So much stuff to get into. A lot of local stuff that I want to try to get into. I'm going to run down some of the NFL games that happened over the weekend. And we talked about the Atlanta Falcons getting a big victory over the Carolina Panthers. The San Francisco 49ers. Did Christian McCaffrey really make a difference? Absolutely. Christian McCaffrey had a day, a touchdown pass, a touchdown run, and a touchdown reception as the San Francisco 49ers once again dominate the Los Angeles Rams in the regular season, 8 0 since 2019. They defeat the Rams 31 to 14. It looked like Matthew Stafford got into a rhythm. In that first half, you know, he got Cooper Cup in the flat, and he, you know, jumped up to that 14-7 lead. And then the 49ers utilized Christian McCaffrey. And that's why they got him. They got him because they are going all in this year. They're 4-4, not quite in first place in the NFC West because that feat belongs to the surprising Seattle Seahawks. They have won three straight games, and they are five and three after beating the New York Football Giants 27 to 13. Kenneth Walker, the second. He's actually picked up nicely as a running back. and Geno Smith is like he's resurrected his career. Geno Smith just looks great. He's got some weapons. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Marquise Goodwin coming out of nowhere and the Seattle's defense is very underrated and they always play well at Quest Field. I think that Seattle, I don't know how long they can handle this. I mean, they're 5 and 3. I mean, the schedule does get a little bit tougher. I mean, they got to play the Chiefs. They got to play the Rams twice. I mean, who knows what could happen with the Rams? I mean, they're kind of topsy-turvy. They got to still play the 49ers uh, again. But I like the story. I think what Pete Carroll is doing as a head coach is really doing a good job and you know I thought that the Seahawks were going to be the worst team in the league and they're not. Of course, the Sunday night game, the Buffalo Bills won the game over the Green Bay Packers 27 to 17. What is going on with the Packers? 3 and 5 and it looks like the Vikings are going to pull away in this division. The Vikings get a big win. They are 6 and 1. The Minnesota Vikings look like a team that could wrap up this division by Thanksgiving. I mean, that's how dominant the Vikings are playing. They beat the Cardinals 34-26. to The New Orleans Saints, they beat the Las Vegas Raiders 24 to nothing. And I think that Josh McDaniels is going to be the first head coach that is on the hot seat. It's not working out in Las Vegas. I think that the Las Vegas Raiders would have been better off with their interim head coach that led them to the playoffs last year. Although they did lose to the Cincinnati Bengals. You got the New England Patriots that continue their dominance against the New York Jets. I actually thought the Jets could pull this off. They were up ten to three. and uh, Zach Wilson threw three interceptions. And that's just not going to get it done against a Bill Belichick defense. They don't make a whole lot of mistakes. The New England Patriots defense plays very disciplined, and Belichick is a genius. He knows all these quarterbacks. He knows all their weaknesses. If you're not an elite quarterback, good luck trying to beat a Bill Belichick defense. So the Jets lose, and the Patriots are four and four. Although I did not see the Monday Night Football game coming, where the Bears beat the Patriots. But you know, you have a quarterback controversy between Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones, and Mac Jones actually looked okay. The Jets are going to be playing the Patriots in Foxborough in a couple weeks, anyway. They have a chance to redeem themselves. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Chicago Bears 49-29. The Cowboys are 6-2 along with the Giants. They are 6-2 after losing to the Seahawks. The Eagles are the only unbeaten team left in the National Football League. They are 7-0 after beating the Steelers 35-13. I think that Jalen Hurts could possibly win MVP. That is how good he is doing. But he's got weapons. He's got A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, if you had him on your fantasy team, three touchdown receptions. And he's got Miles Sanders. I mean, he's got some weapons. He's got a good defense, too. The Philadelphia Eagles really have been the surprise team in the National Football League. The Tennessee Titans are 5-2. Uh, I'm going to have Brad Page on the show tomorrow. I'm going to ask him what he thinks about that. The Titans had Malik Willis. So Malik Willis gets the start. And he he wasn't terrible. I mean, he, 6 of 10, 55 yards. They really did not let him throw the football in his first NFL start. It was Derrick Henry who rushed 32 times for 219 yards and two touchdowns. And Tennessee is 5-2 over the lowly Houston Texans. I don't know what's wrong with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They lose to the Denver Broncos in London. Broncos were able to just pull that out. I thought that the Jaguars was going to get that. And hey, I got Travis Etienne on my fantasy team. He had a great game. 24 carries, 156 yards, and a touchdown. But unfortunately, Jacksonville, even though they they started 2-1, they have lost five straight. It's not looking good for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Denver is still three of five. They're still one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL. I thought that Russell Wilson would put them over the top. Now they do have a lot of injuries. You know, they the Jamonte Williams has been out. You know, Jerry Judy, you know, they got him back into the lineup, and it's going to be a very interesting season for Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Maybe they could figure it out. The Miami Dolphins, don't they look like a much better, much complete team with Tua? Tua looked great. I know that it was the Detroit Lions, the lowly Lions that are 1-6. and I can't believe we're going to get to see this team on Thanksgiving. I thought that maybe the Detroit Lions would actually be an entertaining team, but they are 1-6, and and they are just bad. Tua, 382 yards and three touchdowns. He's comfortable with his weapons, especially his new nice shiny toy, Tyreek Hill. 12 receptions for 188 yards. Have yourself a day, Tyree. Commanders, wow, that was such a great finish. The Washington Commanders, Taylor Heineke, give him the starting job because Taylor Heineke knows how to win. He pulls that off a Terry McLaurin right at the goal line. And then the Washington Commanders, Taylor Heineke, a one-yard run with 22 seconds left to go. They're 4-4. and Man, the Washington Commanders, they look great. And you know the first start for Sam Ellinger. Of course, he took over for Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan is not going to play for the rest of the season. And then you know the Monday night game tonight is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Cleveland Browns. I think the Bengals are starting to find their groove after beating the Falcons last week. So uh, on tomorrow's show, uh, Corey Bank and I are going to. You know, go over some of the games that happened in the NFL, including that crazy Atlanta Falcons Carolina Panthers game that was absolutely crazy. All right, let's talk some River Dragons hockey because the River Dragons' their first home game is November the 11th against the Watertown Wolves at the Columbus Civic Center, and a big shout out to Alex Storjehan, hoping to get him on the show. He is leading the team with five goals. Now they split the series uh, over the weekend with the Mississippi SeaWolves. They lose on uh, Friday three to nothing, but just the downpour of goals in that second game as they beat Mississippi eleven to two. Uh, Let me tell you something. So Alex Storjehan did score a goal in that game, so he has got the team lead with five goals. You got Jake Cox. They had two goals in that game. Kirk Underwood. Had two goals in that game. Lane King picked up his first goal as a River Dragon. You, and you had Adam Vanelli and Austin Doe, the leading assist leader for the Columbus River Dragons. Both had goals. The River Dragons are 3-1 and one on the season. And they will play the Mississippi Seawolves down in Biloxi. Two more times on the road before they host Watertown at the Columbus Civic Center. The last time I was at the Columbus Civic Center for a River Dragons hockey game, it was game one of the Commissioner's Cup final against Watertown. And that crowd was so electric. And I'm hoping that the opener is going to be like that. Uh, I think that uh, River Dragons hockey is just a great product. You know, I've had Jay Krupp on the show, and he's been uh, the team leader, and uh, he's got all that playoff experience, and he is just. A great guy, a great veteran to have on that team, and uh, hopefully I'll get Alex Storjehan on uh, this show as well, as well as some other Columbus River Dragons and maybe even possibly the voice of the River Dragons. Tom Callahan uh, does a great job as the voice of the River Dragons. I listened to him a little bit uh, on uh, YouTube over the weekend, and so the River Dragons are taking on Watertown in a couple of weeks at the Columbus Civic Center. And, of course, you can listen to the game. The radio station where I do this podcast is the flagship station for your Columbus River Dragons. WQEE 99.1 out of Noonan, the home of Southern sports. Other local things that I want to talk about, congratulations to the Northside Lady Patriots. I know it's weird that softball is in the fall in the state of Georgia, but the GHSA softball championships were at the Commons over the weekend in Columbus. That's the home for USA softball. The NAIA World Series was there. So Northside gets their first state championship since 2017. So congratulations to the Lady Patriots. Well-deserved. Congratulations to St. Ampicelli for winning the cross-country state championship. Uh, congratulations, the Columbus State women's soccer team in the Peach Bell Conference tournament right now. They beat Lander three to one, and they will take on Flagler in the conference championship on November the fifth. So good luck to the Columbus State women's Lady Cougars soccer team. Always a great show. The high school brackets are set. The Dothan Wolves, a big shout-out to uh, Philip Jordan, and he's the voice of Dothan down in Dothan, Alabama. They are in the playoffs. They snuck into the playoffs because Central was able to beat Prattville. So Dothan is in the playoffs. They are taking on Foley. Central is going to take on Mary Montgomery. So the bracket that I have in front of me, you got got uh, – Foley taking on Dothan. you got Auburn taking on Fairhope. So that is one side of the bracket. You have Central taking on Marion Montgomery. Baker taking on Enterprise. So everybody in that region is on one side of the bracket. On the other side of the bracket, Hoover taking on Bob Jones. Florence taking on Hewitt Trustful, Austin taking on Vestivia Hills. And Thompson, the three-time state champion, out of Alabaster, Alabama, taking on Huntsville. I think Thompson had three losses this year, including to Hoover. Their path is a little bit tougher, but I still think when it's all said and done, it's going to be Central and Thompson once again in the state championship, and that actually will take place on November the 30th at Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn, Alabama. And good luck to all the teams in the state playoffs. I got the brackets for six A, five A. You know, Lynette snuck into the playoffs. They're taking on BB uh, Comer. Beauregard takes on Mary. You got Lochapoca taking on Keith. I'm going to have uh, WRBL Sports Director Jack Patterson on the show on Fridays. We are going to preview the upcoming playoffs on my Friday Night Lights High School Football Preview Review Show. You don't want to miss it. Glenwood is in the playoffs. They're on a bye this week. Uh, After beating Chambers Academy, they finished the regular season 7-3, 6-1 in region play. Lee Scott Academy, they finished with a perfect season. So Lee Scott and Glenwood both have a bye. And uh, they will play actually a home playoff game on November the 11th. So good luck to the Glenwood Gators. Good luck to the Lee Scott Academy Warriors in the AISA. Always a great showing. And, of course, the high school game of the week. It's looking like it's going to be the high school game of the week for this Friday. Troop County and LaGrange. LaGrange has to win this game to make the playoffs. If they lose to Troop County, they are eliminated because Whitewater and Stars Mill holds the tiebreaker and Trinity Christian is taking on Fayette County. And even though uh, Trinity Christian does not have the tiebreaker with LaGrange, it's looking like Trinity Christian is going to beat Fayette County. And so the only way that LaGrange, who's 7-2, and two, by the way. You're talking about a 7-2 and two team. They could finish 7-3 and three and not go to the playoffs. That is just mind-boggling. Shocking, really. But that's a huge game at Callaway Stadium this Friday night. And uh, I expect the entire city of LaGrange to be at that game. Troop County's having a special season. They knock off Trinity Christian. They are just looking great. But go on my Twitter page because I have a couple of polls out. Uh, I have a poll for the Sports Beats High School Player of the Year for East Alabama and the High School Player of the Year for West Georgia. And so leading the way right now for East Alabama, it's, it's Dallas Crow. Right now, Dallas Crow is leading the way. He has got 80, wow, 80% of the votes. Man, I, I you, that's amazing. Uh, Jalen Epps for Central. Is also on there. Braxton Yurda from Chambers Academy and Jacory Tarver from Beauregard are also on there. But Dallas Crow, he's just having a special season now. For West Georgia on the poll, Malachi Hosley is leading the way with forty-seven percent of the votes, followed by Quay Whitfield with thirty-six percent of the votes. Teo Todd with 14% of the votes, and Jamari Riley with 3%. So go on my Twitter page. Go vote for High School Player of the Year. I I don't know if there's going to be an award or anything. I should probably get a little plaque for him that's uh, got the Sports Beats logo over there and just get a little plaque for him because I'll I'll probably see them at the 15th Annual Sports Visions uh, High School and Junior High uh, Awards Luncheon that's going to be on December the 8th. Uh, I plan to be in attendance for that, Lagrange College, they fell to Bellhaven seventy to sixteen, and they are now one in six on the year. Their next game is this Saturday. It's Senior Day. Kickoff at one p.m. at Callaway Stadium this Saturday against Southern Virginia. And as always, you can listen to every Lagrange game here on ninety nine point one WQEE. And Bill Bailey does an outstanding job as the play by play announcer for the LaGrange Panthers. Basketball is coming up. I'm excited to try to get out to the Marriott Gymnasium to see the LaGrange Panthers basketball team. Uh, they do have an exhibition November the 3rd against Mercer University, and then another exhibition against Kennesaw State. Uh, Point University, they have won two straight. A uh, big. 43 to 40 win over Kentucky Christian and they are now three and six overall. They are traveling up to Waleska this Saturday to take on their interstate rival Reinhardt University. The World Series, you know, I actually watched Game One of the World Series and I saw the Astros, Justin Verlander was dealing. Kyle Tucker hit two home runs. Four runs batted in. the Astros were up five to nothing. But the Phillies come all the way back. J.T. Realmuto with the extra innings home run. The Phillies do win game one. Houston, Framder Valdez just pitched a gym in game two. And the Astros win game two. So game three is in Philly tonight. It seems like you know the Astros should be up 2-0. But Philly's got momentum because they're going back to Philly for games three, four, and five. And Lance McCoulters Jr. is taking on Noah Syndergaard. The Phillies just seem like a team of destiny. And I look at how the Astros blew a five run lead because the last team to blow a five run lead in the World Series was a team managed by Dusty Baker. The 2002 Giants, in game six of the 2002 World Series against the Anaheim Angels, they were up five to nothing in the eighth inning. And Dusty Baker pulled Russ Ortiz out of the game. And uh, you all know about it. The rest is history. Don't want to bring up the pass. NBA last night. So here's some shocking things about I know it's early. I'm really shocked. Uh, these teams are really off to a slow start. Brooklyn is 1-5. Miami is 2-5. and five. And uh, the Lakers are 1-5. and The Lakers, they don't have any shooters. Uh, They look awful. And I don't think there's anything they could do unless they make a big move and they trade away Russell Westbrook for some young shooters. I think that's the only thing that could save the Lakers' season because they are in trouble. I was shocked that the Pistons beat the Warriors, but you can't really expect the Warriors to win on a back-to-back. They had a very tough road trip, and they have lost two straight. So I am not shocked about that. The Atlanta Hawks are 4-2. and two. You know, they play the Toronto Raptors tonight. But the one thing about the Atlanta Hawks, you know, Trey Young, he's averaging 31 points through six games. Clearly, Trey Young is the offensive star. DeJounte Murray is a nice two. He's averaging 20 points a game. But if they want to beat the elite teams, they've got to pick up the defense. It's hard to stop a guy like Giannis. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks are the only undefeated team left in the NBA they beat the hawks 123 to 115 after the hawks had you know the sweep over the Detroit Pistons they're starting to look good i mean they still have something that was very intriguing about that was you had three brothers in one game drew holiday for the Milwaukee Bucks but then you had Justin Holiday and Aaron Holiday and they really have been contributors for the Atlanta Hawks and i've really been impressed with the bench from the Atlanta Hawks, the Holiday Brothers, and uh, Onyeka Kongru. I would like to see AJ Griffin get some more minutes because I think that he could be a contributor that comes off the bench. But their starting five is solid. The Hawks are a good team. I just want to see them get to the next level and uh, try to beat a Milwaukee, try to beat a Boston. But if you look at the standings in the Eastern Conference, uh, Cleveland is five and one. That that. Donovan Mitchell trade really helped the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, Boston is four and two. The Knicks are three and three, and they play Toronto tonight. So there are some teams that uh, you know the Hawks are going to have to try to figure it out. But they really need to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. We are a couple days away. You know, Tuesday is going to be November first, and we are going to get closer and closer to World Cup soccer. Now, I do have some of my friends that are soccer experts and you know i'd like to get them on maybe some columbus rapids we can get them on the show and we could talk some world cup soccer because november 21st the united states is playing wales and i'm really excited i don't know if they're going to win the world cup i just want to see them advance in order to advance you're playing wales on the 21st of november you play england the day after thanksgiving all these games are at two So you can see these games on Fox at 2. And then you play Iran on the 28th. You've got to get a win over Wales, and you've got to get a win over Iran. Now, if they lose to England or if they tie to England, as long as they advance out of this group, I think England's going to advance out of this group. If the United States advances out of this group, they do have the stars. Christian Pulisic, hits his first World Cup. I think that he could just come out of the gate and score. You know, he could break records for the United States as far as a goal scored in the World Cup. You have Pepe and you and you have Sargent. I mean, you have some really good players, and I just love the fact that the United States is you know playing in this World Cup, and, and the World Cup is happening right around the holidays. It, it's it's really and they're really advertising it, doing a great job advertising it around the holidays. You don't want to go anywhere? Well, I think it's about that time to bring on my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank. You don't want to go anywhere. We'll be right back with Corey. Welcome back to the show. And on the show today, I've got my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank. Corey, how was your weekend? It was was a phenomenal phenomenal weekend. weekend. A lot of great games through college. Absolutely. We are going to talk about some of those college games. We are going to go ahead and start with probably the most shocking, the most shocking game. I was shocked that a top ten team would go down like the Oklahoma State Cowboys, forty eight to nothing, to K State. I mean, where do you where do you begin with a score like that?
0: It's it's truly impressive to see a team like Kansas State to truly take care of business against a team that's a top 10 team in the country, Richard, they were firing on all cylinders. They are able to run the ball very well, right in between the tackles. And when it came down to their defense, filling the gaps, making nowhere for them to run the football, they were stabbed.
1: All right. Let's go ahead and get into our picks uh, because – I project. I projected that Ohio State Penn State was going to be a lot closer. It, it kind of was, but then Ohio State pulled away and won the game in Happy Valley against the Penn State Nittany Lions. But they drop in the AP poll. They're now number three. What does Ohio State need to do to improve to improve their chances? To impress the college football committee when they vote on Tuesday for the new college football rankings?
0: They're going to need Shroud to be a great player throughout the rest of the season. So, this number two Ohio State team unleashed an avalanche of fourth quarter points on the number 13 Penn State team to come away with a 44 31 victory in this Big Ten East Showdown. The game was much closer than the two store deficit revealed, so it did feel like a blowout early in the game, but Penn State began the game with back-to-back turnovers, but the same red zone issues that haunted Ohio State Richard last week against Iowa were back on display, as the Buckeyes were only able to open a 10-0 lead. Now the Penn State team would erase that lead in the second quarter with a 14-13 advantage, heading into the locker room. Quarterback Sean Clifford recovered from his two early turnovers and tore the Ohio State secondary apart in the second quarter. The Buckeyes' defense made adjustments at halftime. However, and the open spaces for the Nittany Lions' offense suddenly disappeared. Ohio State took the lead back in the third quarter with another drive ending in a red zone. But it was with 9.26 9.26 left in the fourth quarter, Richard, that this Penn State team, Katron Lee, scored from one yard out on a fourth down that gave Penn State a 21-16 lead. So that's when everything changed in the ballgame, Richard. This is where it really came to a peaking point to this Ohio State team. So the Ohio State team answered quickly with a three-play touchdown drive, cap by Travion Henderson, breaking free for a 41-yard rushing score. After a Clifford fumble, but Ohio State scored a 24-yard pass from C.J. Stroud to Cade Stover. A 21-16 lead, Penn State lead, became a 30-21 Ohio State lead with a minute six remaining in the ball game. Things would get only get worse Henderson scored his second touchdown. In the Buckeyes defensive end, JT Tuamalau put the final stamp on things with a pick six to make it a 44-24 game. With uh, two minutes and 42 seconds left in the game, that's where it capped off. Stroud, he threw 354 in the game, but only one touchdown. But the guy that was dynamic, and he is one of the best receivers in college football, Marvin Harrison Jr. He caught 10 passes for 185, Richard, and Clifford finished with 371 passing through the air in the game. He threw three touchdowns, but his three interceptions and his lost fumble is where it put a damp on things for this Nittany Lions team and put them in a doom. But Tumalayo was the unquestioned player of the game, finishing with two interceptions Two sacks and a forced fumble, but also a fumble recovery and a pass deflection. This was what it took for this Buckeye team to truly step up and really turn the game around.
1: All right, Corey, before we get into the number one and the number two teams in the AP poll, I do want to talk about this Ole Miss-Texas A&M game real quick because Ole Miss wins on the road 31-28 to over the Texas A&M Aggies, which sends Jimbo Fisher To a 3-5 and record. This is the number one recruiting class. Texas A&M still has to play Florida. They still have to play LSU. If Texas A&M does not go to a bowl game, does Jimbo Fisher get fired?
0: He's definitely on the hot seat. His expectations are that Jimbo Fisher, throughout his years of coaching college football, he has put together some incredible teams at Florida State. And that's what they had in intentions with the expectation of taking this Aggie team to the college football playoff. And Richard, he could very well be gone.
1: That is very true. An impressive win by Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels to go into college station and get the win. All right. I'll, I do want to talk about that Georgia Florida game, Corey, first. And then we'll get into the Tennessee Kentucky game because this sets up a dream matchup between number one and number two. And we don't know who's going to be number one and who's going to be number two after Tuesday. They might rank Tennessee number one because they have a more impressive resume. But Georgia took care of business against the Florida Gators. Got a little tight in that third quarter. Georgia had a 28-3 to lead at the half. But Florida cut it close, made it 28-20. to I'm telling you, as a Georgia fan, I started getting nervous. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Georgia's going to blow this lead. But Georgia maintained their composure. Kirby Smart was continuing to run the football with their trio of running backs, McIntosh, Edwards, and Branson. And I think that uh, Georgia just put the clamps, and they're a much better team. Florida has a ways to go. Georgia is the more polished team, and they they took care of business, beating the Florida Gators forty-two to twenty.
0: This is absolutely true. So this number one Georgia team began its rivalry showdown with the Florida team with a dominating victory. Richard jumping ahead to twenty-eight to three and a half, but after a major Gator adjustment at halftime, this is what we were talking about: the comeback trail for the Gators. So. They came back within eight, like you said, but the Bulldogs roared back in the final 15 minutes of the game to take care of this game, 42-20. Georgia star tight end Brock Bowers led the way with a career game, but two interceptions from quarterback Setson Bennett kept things interesting until late in the contest. Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson, who was playing through a hip-slash-thigh injury, He suffered on the first play from scrimmage. He took a huge hit out of bounds on that one, Richard. Led a 13-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Capped with Trevor A.K.N.'s touchdown to start that third quarter. The Gays ultimately came back within eight. But two Florida scores during the run began the Georgia turnovers. But once the dogs started to take care of business, they really pulled themselves together with the likes of Kenny McIntosh, and DeJune Edwards and Kenny McIntosh truly are incredible running backs. Interchangeable. Both of them have the capability of hitting the four hole, five hole inside the tackle box and then bouncing it outside. Combined, Richard had about 200 yards and four scores. Now, that right there is the stat of the ball game. That's what put the game away. When you're able to control the ball on the ground, incredible offensive line, opening up these holes and giving running lanes to your guys, I watched this game. And it truly came down to the nitty-gritty part of the game. It came down to who can block better, who can tackle better, and most importantly, it really became the physical part of the game because Darnell Washington was incredible. I saw some blocks he made to get to spring some runs down the field Ford McIntosh and Edwards, that's truly the reason why this Bulldog team put, put it together. Because in the end of the day, the reason why this Georgia team is so good is because when the game gets close, I personally think they have the most talented offensive line in college football, and they grind games out.
1: All right, let's get into that Tennessee-Kentucky game. Will Levis just did not look himself through three picks, Tennessee gets the win 44-6. to Jalen Hyatt, you know, he's really stepped up in place of Cedric Tillman. He did see limited action, you know, trying to get Tillman back in. He's their number one wide receiver. This Tennessee team... This Tennessee team, Corey, is scary. I think that they are going to give Georgia a game next week, uh, but I am excited. Number one versus number two, the 330 game on CBS, Georgia versus Tennessee. it just doesn't get any better than that. But what was your thoughts on Tennessee humiliating Kentucky 44 to 6?
0: Pretty insane. So this number three team put together this game 44 to 6, thrashing this wildcat team. So with the help of an unusually strong defensive effort by this team, this Tennessee team limited Kentucky to just 205 yards, Richard, of total yards, and forced the Wildcats to go nine consecutive possessions without points. That right there is absolutely incredible. Now the matchup was hailed. As a battle of the league quarterbacks. But in this one. Hendon Hooker. Totally met the quota on this one. And he really took care of business. While Will Levis. Only completed. 16 of 27. For 98 yards. When's the last time. That you can win a game. And throw 27 times. And being shy of 100 yards. Passing. Very hard to do. Those three interceptions really capped off between these two guys. It's definitely two guys jockeying for position for the NFL draft this upcoming year. And Hendon Hooker definitely meeting the bill going up in this game. Hooker threw for 245 with three touchdowns and no interceptions. While also running for another score. So wow, four touchdowns in the game. An impressive offensive line. The Heisman Trophy. It's potential for him. Tennessee's going to give Georgia Bulldogs a run for their money next week.
1: Corey, I cannot wait to have you on for the Daily Dash as we do our college football picks. We have got massive games. Normally, that Alabama LSU game would be a huge matchup, but this number one versus number two, Tennessee versus Georgia, it has really taken the whole country by storm. I'm just glad to see Tennessee back. The defending national champions, Georgia taking on the volunteers. And I don't think that they've ever met where they were both number one and number two. So it should be just a fun weekend of college football.
0: It's true, Richard. I mean, I don't don't recall recall that that scenario scenario at all.
1: All All right, Corey. Well, I appreciate you uh, being on the show uh, for the college football recap. Uh, Looking forward to having you back on the show for the Daily Dash tomorrow as we will recap the NFL.
0: Absolutely, Richard. Always, Always a pleasure, a pleasure to, be to be on.
1: All right. That was my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holders. Don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook and Twitter. You could also download this podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody.